Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Thanks for coming back. Um, Just a heads up, if anybody is listening to this episode but didn't catch our part one on anxiety in kids from last time, I'd encourage you to just leap back there and have a listen. Uh, Dr. Lark Eshelman and I have a part one conversation about trying to understand anxiety in our kids and tease it apart um, from what's problematic and what is functioning for our kids and teasing apart what is more situational based anxiety and what is kind of embedded in our kids' nervous system. And, and how to know the difference. So jump back there, have a listen. Um, today we are uh, going to explore our part two. So here is my part two conversation with Dr. Lark Eshelman um, on the more practical side of what it means when parenting intersects with our experience of anxious kids. Right. So let's let's help us and listeners to make this very practical. Yeah. So if you have a child, maybe this is a teenager now who's getting ready to graduate from high school, um, who shows all the signs of situational anxiety whenever they're under pressure, like they have to give an oral report or they have to go meet with the guidance counselor or they have to, whatever it is that feels to them like pressure, they shut down. There's a, it's a very common response of kids who have certain kinds of anxiety disorders. If that child, teenager, can be helped to learn those techniques that you're talking about, then when they go for a job interview, they're not going to be sitting, waiting to be called into the interview, um, biting their nails down to their quick, uh, jumping up and running to the bathroom every couple of seconds, you know, or whatever. I, and, and I can just see those poor kids cause we all know them. Yeah. And it's not their fault. It's nothing wrong with no. them. It's just something that they can't help, but it does not help them. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it's, they can't help it, it's not but it really them. is not such a good thing for them. Yeah. So if we can help them have those tools, and this is one of the good things that I see coming out of the pandemic is that people are talking more and more about what does help kids who are anxious. What can we do? What tools do we give them? How do we practice them? I do a lot of work with schools and talk Mm -hmm. to teachers a lot about what you're reporting to me is the kids are not getting as much done. They're having more trouble uh, concentrating. They can't finish a project. They come in from recess and they can't settle We have some great techniques to help with that. Mm -hmm. Let's do them. And you see some, uh, a little bit of skepticism, maybe a lot of skepticism on the part of numbers of teachers because they haven't had to do this before. And they say, well, you know, I was a good teacher before, so I can handle this. Well, this is different. And this is what I say to teachers when I'm teaching about tips, trauma-informed practices. Mm -hmm. These trauma-informed practices are necessary for kids with the kind of background that that we talk about when we do trauma work. I consider COVID to be trauma-inducing for many kids. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I say to teachers, yes, these are techniques that we need. These are tips, trauma-informed practices that we need for those kids. But they're good for all kids. That's right. And they're good for all parents. And they're good for all of us. And they just help us to keep that... I'm going to go back to the to the picture in my mind that I have of playing tag at home as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, staying out till it I got dark that. and yeah. <laughs> poor parents would have to come out and drag us in. But there I would be holding onto that tree like I'm home free. Yeah. I made it. I'm safe. I can take a breath. I can laugh. I can have a good time mm-hmm. with this. Then I can go out and be anxious again, which is really mm-hmm. in, in a game sense. It's more being excited. Um, and and have that thrill, but my adrenaline's up. I'm still kind of anxious. It's like being chased by a bull, you know. But yeah. I know that I can go back to that tree and take a deep breath. And those are the yeah. techniques that we're helping people learn right now, mm-hmm. which address the kind of trauma that we're seeing with anxiety-producing um, situation yeah. around us all the time. Yeah. You know, I I love the school approach because that is hitting so many kids where they're at so much of the time. And while I can appreciate some teachers feeling like, it's okay, I've got this for this year, right? I can get my kids through this year. That's not actually what we're talking about. We're talking about how do we as educators in a really powerful position to help kids partner with their own nervous systems to equip them for their lives, about managing anxiety. This is not right. And because this is now, it matters to more kids because they've had this disruptive crisis in their life that has tipped a bandwidth of kids from just making it through to we're not making it through. It's that much more important that we look at this from a systemic perspective. How do we enter our systems of care right? So how do physicians treat this differently? How do teachers treat this differently? If we all partner because we are so well positioned, right? To mm-hmm. influence and teach kids because we they're our captive audience. It makes so much sense that what I'm going to teach my kid today is just as central as life skills for math and for science and for right. This is this is critical to coping, to being able to show up to a job interview when my kid in my class is five years from now showing up for that job interview. And I used to say, this is a gift that you're giving your kids, whether I was talking to parents or teachers or whoever it is, this is a gift that you're giving them. I don't say that anymore because now it's necessary. This is Mm -hmm. a tool. And I think you used that term, but this is a necessary tool that we are teaching our kids. If Mm -hmm. we didn't need to read, we probably wouldn't teach it. We didn't use to teach these skills, but now we really do need to teach these skills. And the really beautiful part of it is, Karen, as at least as far as I'm concerned, the beautiful part of it is they're attachment-based to begin with. They're mm-hmm. relationship-based. Right. Yeah, They're yeah. all about how can we work together? How can I help you? Yeah. How can you show me? Let's have fun together. Let's take care of each other, which is in the best sense the good thing that's coming out of COVID. The alternative is kids are becoming more withdrawn. They're going more into Mm -hmm. their electronics. They're becoming Mm -hmm. addicted at highly, very scary rates 
to yeah. um, to gaming to and, and of course um, rates of other types of addictions are also going up. So yeah. when they when kids don't have a strong relationship or even when they do, they have to fight that much harder to use their relationships to keep them safe, to keep them healthy. Yeah. Yeah. But if people are given tools about how to be with kids mm-hmm. so that it is fun, so the kids will want to come back, they will open up, they will want to try a little bit harder to just learn what right now feels kind of hard to learn, which is we're, we're, we're going to be okay. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it, but we're going to be okay. So let's practice those skills that allow us to get to that place that says, I don't have to be anxious all the time Mm -hmm. because right now, right here, I'm safe. I'm okay. And the world is good right for this minute. I can do that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm glad you brought up the addiction rates because this is, you know, how we have learned over time as professionals to understand the root of addiction. It's Mm -hmm. the opposite of connection or it's the opposite of having the internal ability to find safety within yourself. So when you don't have that, naturally you reach for something that will give it to you. We know that what we get addicted to are the numbing agents that help us live inside ourselves, right? When the world inside ourselves feels untenable, we cannot sit in that. It's too uncomfortable to survive myself. I need something to help me, right? And so when when we bridge that back to any level of of manageable, in that realm of anxiety that we see in kids that we think, it still seems pretty manageable. We'll get through. This is the target time. This is the time we equip our kids so that they don't yeah. lose themselves in the coming years and feel like it's so beyond what I can manage that I need something outside of myself to help me out. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And you're right that this is the time to do it. Yeah. While they're learning, regardless of whether they were born with a predisposition or the situation around them just became so impossible for them for so long, it's kind of how I describe this to parents sometimes, especially adoptive parents or foster parents who don't know exactly what happened with their kids before mm-hmm. they came to their parents. Mm-hmm. And I say, whatever the situation was, it was too big and too yeah. intense for too long. Yes. And so what this child learned was, I, I, I can't do this, mm-hmm. whatever that this is. Um, I can't connect. I can't behave. I can't love myself. I can't relax. Whatever that this yeah. is, it's because things were too tough for too long and too intense. So yeah. if for some kids who are kind of borderline before COVID and then now they couldn't see their friends, now they couldn't have the physical activity they were used to. Now they can't Uh, engage in the regular fun activities that they had before. Now they hear their parents being worried about losing a job. Now they worry about Mm -hmm. losing their home. I mean, the numbers of things that kids have gone through over the last few years. And when they, they they don't have a frame of reference to say, oh, isn't this the way the world is? That's right. Oh, well, if this is the way the world is, I, I, I just better step up here and be worried. That's right. Yep. Because I don't know what else I can do. Be on guard. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I would like to, you know, I I appreciate when you came on and asked for clarification, are we focused on the kids or are we looking at everybody here? And this is where I think 
we we can't draw a false line because yeah. as soon as we talk about for instance the in utero experiences i immediately think man the guilt we feel <laughs> for having all we want is our kids to thrive that is built into our parenting wiring box yeah. we are not going out of our way to make things hard for our kids and when we talk focused on the the impacts of the kids i think that's when we go oh my gosh what have i done like yeah. all that stress that i was under while i was pregnant or all that stress i was under for the first 3 years of my kids newborn life if i had only been able to you know and i think but this is the thing we nobody is immune to the world we don't get to say well if i lived in a perfect world <laughs> you know, I should have lived in a perfect world. Like, why yeah, did I choose that? Say. You never <laughs> yeah. got to say that, right? And so I, I just mm -hmm. want to go there for a second to, to help come alongside parents in recognizing that you too were under the gun. You too, whatever circumstances led to creating that environment that meant your child had to be in a hypervigilant state of anxiety is likely the same thing you were under that created your anxiety that got passed on. This wasn't that you, you could have done anything different, right? So then what do we do to equip our kids in managing that as a template for then how we manage anything else they encounter in the world? Because nobody can escape it. Yeah. Nobody can escape the situations that are anxiety provoking. Yeah. They're there. Right. You're right. Yep. And for and so many right. reasons, we, we have these other layers of things that stop us. Right. It's even yeah. way outside of ourselves. You yeah. know, if you are a marginalized like person, if you are impoverished, if you are, have a history of addiction, if your parents had a history of it, if you have all sorts of things will stop you. Right. Yeah. Right. And I do, I mean, this is not a political platform, but certainly in the U.S., we have to say racial. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't decide what color you're born. No. And you can't undo that once it's done. So yeah. it, it should be mixed into the whole mix of what are all the things against me? And you named a whole bunch of them. And if you look mm -hmm. at the ACE study, you can name, uh, you know, a whole lot more. Yep. That's My right. parents had mental health issues. There was uh, addiction in the family. There were mental health issues in the family. I mean, the, the list is there and you're born into that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as someone helps you understand the value of relationship, healthy relationship. Mm-hmm then you can begin to see that there is some hope for you to uh, to be a resilient person. Yeah. But it's pretty hard to be resilient if you don't understand how to use relationships to help you, how to enjoy the benefits of relationships of people who want to help you. Yeah. So, And that's where the majority of my practice has been over the years is mm. – you know, there are kids who are afraid of for very good reason. 
or resistant to for very good reason. I tend to be a no-fault person. We're not looking for trouble here. Nobody's at fault for this. This is just as you say, you're born into. So, okay, here's the situation I'm born into this. Now, what can I do about it? How can I help? And who can help me? So then we get to the point of, you know, if it's a teacher who helps you feel like you, you, you got this, you can do this. And I'm here to help you if you have trouble. Yeah. All of a sudden, a little window might open up in your busy little anxious brain that says, really, I I, I can do this. And she or he sees that. That's Mm -hmm. wow. I'm not sure I believe it yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try it. I'll borrow your and, confidence. Yeah. Uh, and he or she is there in case I fall down. Wow. Well, yeah. that makes it that much easier. So um, just recently I was at a um, at a intermediate school. I think they have fourth through sixth grade kids. And there was a child who um, was so anxious and then had become so depressed about being so anxious for so long because... Mm-hmm. It's exhausting to be that anxious for someone. Yeah, Yeah. hopeless. And he pretty much shut down. And Mm -hmm. the the teachers asked me to come in and talk with them about how to help. And my question was, did he have friends? Before all this became so difficult for him, did he have friends? Oh, yes, he has a buddy. Is the buddy still there? Oh, yes. Is the buddy still willing to help? Oh, yes. Well, it doesn't have to be us adults. We can help empower kids to help other kids. Now, my caution is, and this is what I said to the school, make sure that this other child, this this buddy child's parents are aware of what mm-hmm. we're asking of this buddy, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. God help us if anything happens to this child. Yeah. And then we've got a buddy who is feeling guilty about something that is not his fault. Right. Yeah. Everybody needs to be on board with this. In fact, it should be an open conversation. Mm-hmm. with everybody involved. But the point is that we don't have to bear all the work if we right. empower kids to do a lot of this themselves at the appropriate age level and the appropriate um, developmental level. We don't want to yeah. ask kids to do stuff that's above their pay grade, as it were. You know, yes. they can't do it yet. Right. Well, and equip them with support. It's not go in yes. the lion's den and, and we'll yeah. leave. It's <laughs> We're standing yeah. right here supporting right. you as well, right? It's a team. Yes. It's a team. And, and I'm sure you hear this too. Sometimes parents will say, well, you know, they've got to learn because they're going to have to. Well, now, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't ask your kids to go out and direct traffic, do you? Well, yeah. no. Well, that's right. Because there are things that they are ready to do developmentally. Yeah and not ready to do developmentally. And your job as a parent is not to teach them how to be developmentally somewhere that they're not. They're not there yet. Enjoy Mm -hmm. them where they are, make the most of where they are, um, and teach them the things that are appropriate for that developmental stage. And part of that, which we, I don't know, I fear that we have lost this to a great degree, is the ability and the... um, the systemic use of play with our kids. Yes. We used to play yep. with our kids. Even, yep. even to the point of things like, you know, living on a farm, because we were a very agrarian people and we would live on farms together, right? And the kids would have to work. But sometimes 
my grandmother, my great grandmother was a farmer and we used to spend summers with her and I used to watch. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have a race to see who can get more eggs. Yeah. Uh, it can be done chicken. in a playful way. Yeah. 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 Or who's yeah. going to pitch more hay that day or mm-hmm. not to say that it's fun to work. That's why they call it work, but yep. you can have yeah. some fun with it. And what it teaches is collegiality. It teaches mm-hmm. joy. It changes mm-hmm. your hormones and in, inside of you when you start to play yeah. and sets you up for more happiness because those hormones say to you, okay, it's not all bad. There's some joy yeah. in life and that's yeah. a good thing. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I encourage parents to play. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's something partnering in that and there's an exchange that can happen. So it yeah. isn't parallel. And as soon as we just demand something and then walk away, that's parallel. That's I have an expectation of you that you can go do that solo as opposed to let's do these things together. Let's create learning together. Let us both. And there's a synergy in that, right? There is. There's, there, there's, yeah. And you take that away when there's this divide. There is no opportunity for that in-between us stuff. Yeah. 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 And kids need that in-between. Us you know stuff. what we ought to do, Karen? Let's do this. Let's find cartoons that express in visual form what we're talking yeah. about. Like I'm picturing a cartoon that I remember from when I was a kid of a teacher with her arms folded, staring down at the kids. And I think in one hand, she even had a ruler. Yeah. And I think about that sometimes when I feel, or I did, especially when my kids were young, when I felt like I was being dictatorial. And I would think about that cartoon. I wish I had cut it out and kept it that yeah. says, yeah, you don't, you don't, that's no fun. It's not fun Mm -hmm. for the parent and it's not fun for the kids for sure. So um, maybe we could, um, I don't know, get a little folder where we can put cartoons and ask your your listeners to also send theirs in and we could um, make them available. But cartoons I think have a great, I always wanted to teach a a course um, in psychology in which cartoons or comics Comics, I guess, is what I mean to say, were the subject because they Mm -hmm. take humanity and they look at it in a in a different way. Mm -hmm. They capture so much of what goes on inside of us in a humorous way or a poignant way. Um, Anyway, that's it's a little bit of a mirror, right? We get to put. Yeah, no, I like it. We put something (laughs) in picture form and it helps us relate to that differently. And I think that too allows us to separate ourselves and see the humor in it. Because Mm -hmm. when it feels really personal, parents are very quick to go to, oh, I'm doing this wrong. Oh, I feel bad. Well, like I'm defensive. Like I had, well, I had to, what choice did I have? I have to toughen Mm -hmm. them up or I have to. And when we realize what it looks like out there, apart from us, we see the like, okay, I get why that's not going to work. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> or okay yeah. I'd attack that differently now if I had it right I get why that felt good at yeah. the time but that's probably not the greatest idea yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah that I mean we see that break. captured in I often like uh will post a meme or something or you know on my in, uh, Instagram account just to to kind of poke the fun at our parenting choices sometimes but also the circumstances that put us in a bind where we feel like we make those silly choices. Like I make those crazy choices all the time. And when I step back, what the heck was I thinking? Well, I I know what I was thinking. If I go back and look, I'm like, well, I mean, really, what choice did I have? I was just like, (laughs) 
Okay, well, or just the fact that <laughs> and parenting is exhausting too. And you know, sometimes we just say, I was just tired and okay, I did it. It's over. We'll move on. But yes, good to take a breath. Yeah, I agree. It is good to take a breath and it, it helps us remember we cannot be perfect. Right. And our kids don't need us to be. They actually benefit from us not being because we in part get to model what it's like to make mistakes and repair them. And without making mistakes, there's nothing to model repair for. So we want our kids to experience that from someone who is safe and connected to us. So I don't want to rob them of that. That's what I think. Every mistake you make is a gift to your child. So we (laughs) I like that. How are you going to use it? Right. How are you going to use it? Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It is good. Okay. So before we before we wrap up, I would like some clarity if you can to help us to help parents know when anxiety where the on that continuum of healthy anxiety to not healthy anxiety. So healthy to functional to not functional. What does it look like for the kids who sit right on the line where we can kind of say, okay, what was working in their best interest has now crossed into it's interfering. It's, it's getting in the way of life. How, how can parents measure that or notice that? What does it look like? Well, you asked the tough questions, Karen. I know. When I get you on the line, I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to deliver the tough ones. I know there's no exact thing, but there's examples, right? right? You're so realistic and and practical and good at painting pictures for parents about what it means on the ground. So if a parent is, you know, so I think about scenarios like last year, um, my more reserved child decided on day one of school, she's never had this issue, but she's always been on the more cautious side of life. And so it didn't totally surprise me, but it seemed out of character for her when she said in the hallway in tears, I'm not going to, I'm not going to school today. I'm not going. And the fight response came out in her. She was doubling down and there was nothing I could do to make her get out that door. And that was a moment for me where I, my, anxious parent spidey senses went, oh crap, are we in for a tough year? Like I right away generalized to we're going to, oh no, this is an indicator of my next while, right? She's, this is going to be a disaster year. Um, and it turned out that we coached through that day and it was a tough day. And then the next day she felt equipped. Okay. I know now what the campus looks like. I know now who my teacher is. I know I got the data I needed to help me feel like I was capable of going and facing that tomorrow. But in the moment there was no convincing her that she would be able to do that. Right. And so how many of those need to happen for a parent to go, we have a real problem on our hands, you know? So the first caution I think I would have for parents is this, if there's a big change, and you alluded to this early on mm-hmm. our, in our talk, Karen, if there's a mm-hmm. dramatic change in behavior, check it out because yeah. that's not okay. If your child is now not sleeping, not eating well, if bathrooming has changed, mm-hmm. um, if communication has changed, if uh, willingness to participate in activities has changed. If those things are different or 
if over time they have become pervasive during your child's life. I I, I remember talking to a parent whose child was now in, um, actually he was in college at this point and he came home from college and they had a, a discussion one weekend about what his life was like before he went away. His mom was saying, you know, you were afraid to go to college. How is it? And he said, you know, I learned that I had to tackle some things head on and I've been practicing them and I can do them. And she said, oh, wonderful. Like what? And he said, well, I used to lie in bed for like an hour or two before I could go to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And she said, what? You mean when you were home? And he said, yes, I know you didn't know that and I never bothered Mm -hmm. you with it. Yeah, But it was the beginning of a discussion for that family that was not just eye-opening and guilt-producing for the mother, even though, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we, the I should have known comes up there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can't we can't do that. We'll waste our whole lives every time we make a yeah. mistake or don't That's know right. something. Yeah. Right. But <clears throat> it opened up a lot of discussion about his anxiety when he was young. And she said, well, what did you used to think about? And he said, I used to lie there and ruminate about everything that had happened during the day. And what, what did that mean? And why did I look stupid? And how come I did it that way? And, uh, but never about how can I ask for help so I don't do that again? And that's yes. the tool that I'm talking about. Yes. One of the tools that I'm helping, I'm talking about helping kids to learn how to master their own worry or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is a excessive worry about stuff. So, um, so my suggestion to parents is this. If you decide that you want to try this yourself, because it's not at the point that you're afraid of, you know, this Mm -hmm. being really dangerous for your kids yet, um, try some of those tools, look them up online, or I'll give you a few right now. One of them is color with your kids. Coloring is by nature anxiety reducing for most kids. None of these are 100% for all kids. Yeah. But for most kids, coloring is a good thing. Color with them. You don't have to talk. You don't have yep. to make it a big deal. Just yeah. sit down and do it together. Introduce the activity. That, make it available. Yeah. Yes. And if that, if you see that that helps them relax, you have an indication that, you know what, maybe this is not pervasive yet. Maybe this mm-hmm. is not generalized anxiety disorder. And maybe it's something that we can work on. A second thing would be to employ some mindfulness activities. And these are things that I yeah. encourage parents to do as often as they can, and teachers to do. So when they're talking about their kids coming in from recess and they can't settle down, I wish I had it right here. I would do it. Let me see if this will work. I say to them, keep a bell on your desk and hit the bell when they walk in and say, raise your hand when you can't hear the bell ringing anymore. They have to listen. They have to focus. They have to concentrate. It's not something they're used to doing. Like, listen to right. my voice. I'm telling yeah. you, you have to sit yeah, down. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Listening to a bell. But there are a ton of those kinds of very small techniques mm. that you can use to help your kids practice settling down. If yeah. over time some of them are working, that's a good indication that this is not a generalized anxiety disorder, at least not yet. Yeah. Uh, another thing that is critically important, of course, is breathing exercises. And um, if you can help your kids do breathing, 
activities. And just as I'm saying it, I'm taking a deep breath. We, yeah, um, yeah. something in our brains called um, mirror neurons. And it mm-hmm. means when you see somebody else do something, you, without thinking about it, you like mimic <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Breathing is one of those things that often comes yeah. up as a mirror neuron activity. So yeah. Whew, <sighs> if you just take a deep breath or a yawn yeah. and let your shoulders go, very often your kids will too. Yeah. Practice that. Be mindful yeah. of that and do it as much as you can. It's good for you as a parent. It's good for you as a teacher. It's really good for kids to see you doing that and, and hear mm-hmm. you doing that. As I mentioned before, games, if you can engage a child in a game. So when you're talking about your daughter having trouble going to school that day, Mm -hmm. uh, two ideas. And I hear that you mastered it. So that's great. No, I want to know what, yeah, what are the things we do when we get caught in those moments that are unexpected and they feel And this moment, because it's because it was unexpected, this wouldn't help. But when you have, mm-hmm. when you know you have an anxious child, tell them or show them or actually do with them as much as you can about what they're going to be doing. So, for example, if they're going to um, a friend's birthday party and they're anxious about what it would be like, talk to the friend's mother and say, what are the activities you're going to do? and tell your child about them ahead. You might even take them if they haven't been to that house before. Take them over, ask permission to go to the house and look around. A lot of anxiety is because it's unknown. And if Mm -hmm. you take that part of the anxiety away, it allows a child to be more engaged in the activity. So I used to mention to um, newly adoptive parents or foster parents a lot, take your child to school before school starts. Let them run around in the playground, run around Mm -hmm. in the playground with them, Mm -hmm. have a fun activity at the school before they have to go to the school, ask permission of the school to bring them inside, to show them their classroom Mm -hmm. and anticipating with them and for them what things might be like can often help anxiety. And I'm giving suggestions because these are also indicators of whether or not this will help a child. And that can give you clues. Is this situational or generalized? Because if they can't take advantage of any of these um, tools or Mm -hmm. types of things that can help a lot of kids, then maybe you're looking at uh, a generalized anxiety situation where you really do want to take them right away. It's beyond manageable. Yeah. 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 I also want to say um, that it's very important for us, for all of us, for parents teachers, kids, to keep ourselves physically active and hydrated. And we, we minimize that and we shouldn't. Yeah. Physiologic activity and hydration are critically important to keeping our anxiety levels in check. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it a lot, but no, we don't No, And hydration is a big one because it's huge. The more we're anxious, the more we use up fluid in our brain, the more dried out our brain becomes. And I love the expression, lotion is motion. I mean, motion is lotion, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Motion is lotion. Well, movement and drinking can really help our bodies and our brains to be more relaxed, more active, more um, able to do what we need them to do for us. Mm -hmm. So just keep... Make sure that your kids' water bottles are filled up. Yeah. 
Um, if they don't well, like to drink it, water. Like, it's interesting because w- when you, s- uh, this is what I think a lot of, I, I experience this, but a lot of parents experience is they hear things that feel so removed from the science. So it feels mm-hmm. like we've, we've done all the p- small steps toward extrapolating why this matters, right? From, from the yeah. evidence to the why this is happening in our body. And we understand that. And so it makes sense to us to just jump to the strategy, yeah. just do that. That's helpful. Right. And parents are like, really, how is water going to help my kid mm-hmm. not do school refusal? Right? Mm-hmm. right. So just to yeah. pause there for a second, it has been helpful for me to imagine when your stress signals are responding to your physiology, your body is giving itself cues if the environment is safe or not. And if your body is under internal stress from being dehydrated, that is a survival signal, right? So yep. you're, it is causing you to be in a stress state and and then your stress state says, quick, get to safety. And that does not have a brain. It just has a nervous system. The nervous yes. system can't decipher what's safe and what's not. It can't rationalize. So if it feels it's not safe, it doesn't ask why. It just says, get safe, period, mm-hmm. right? So if you're dehydrated, it doesn't mean anything different to your nervous system than a dog is coming running at me and biting me. It, it They're the same cues that our body are wired to say, look out, you're in danger level. Mm-hmm. With kids, I have found it helpful to explain that in gaming terms. If you, if you are doing some kind of role play game, you have a person with a life and the bar gets lower and lower and lower of your, of your stamina, because you haven't eaten enough. You haven't drank enough. You haven't collected enough fish from the pond to sustain you on your journey. You haven't. And as that bar goes down, the heart starts to beat faster at the end to signal warning, 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 go take care of your basic needs. Right. Right. Cause you can't fight the battle that's coming if you haven't taken care of your resources. Right. So replenish. And I think that, when you speak about that, I think, yeah, I really want parents to get why that's important. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah, internally, basically important for them. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So, so mm-hmm. yes. So it's really incumbent on us as adults to make sure that kids have enough to drink on a regular basis. And, you know, during COVID when all the water fountains were shut down because we couldn't yep. drink from the same water fountains, uh, it was very difficult. And I used to say to to the school administrators, you need to empower teachers to make sure that these kids have enough time to go get water or to bring it into yeah. the room, um, yeah. into their classrooms. And it's 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 not something that we normally think about. We just yeah. do it. So yep. we have to talk about it. We have to make yeah. accommodations for it. So all of these things are, are things like, so um, we used to, sometimes have find that there were kids who didn't want to come into therapy sessions. They were afraid. Yeah. And for many of them, it was understandable. Um, we used to see kids who were at the end of their parents rope, you know, like this is, this is mm-hmm. getting to be too much. We've already had therapy and it didn't work. Now we're coming to you as a last resort. And these kids of course didn't want to come in. Yeah. So I would go out in the waiting room or one of us would go out and play just just take the kids' hands as long as they were okay with that and play mm-hmm. Ring Around the Rosie into the therapy room. 
Yeah. When you go to a game um, sense, you know, now we're playing something. Yes. It's different from you have to come into the therapy room, just right. as you were talking about before. Uh, yeah. It's it's an engagement thing. It's a relationship thing. It's a fun thing. And um, if you can do that with your kids, you can get a, a lot farther with them. And if they can engage with you, it's an indication that this may not be a generalized anxiety. This may be situational. And the more you can do it, the more they're practicing now, feeling like they're home free, feeling yeah. like they're at home base. And they can take You're entering that a safe state with them, right? Exactly. So it's like, I'm going to provide you with the playful opportunity. Yeah. And if you are capable of engaging in that play with mm -hmm. me, then we can tell we're, this is workable. Yeah, You are able to go from high stress to low stress. You can move down that ladder, right? That's, it's within your yeah. ability to do it. Yeah. And okay. then, and then you, if you know that that's true, then you can start practicing some of the other activities yeah. like the cognitive behavioral therapy, things that you can actually learn from a therapist and practice mm -hmm. with your kids. You can learn things like when your child is, they can begin to report to you. I'm beginning to get nervous. I don't like yeah. what we're doing right yeah. now. Yeah. Read the cues. That, yeah. Yes. And, and they can't do that when all they're doing is feeling. They That's don't understand right. that. They don't recognize that there's another way to be. Mm -hmm. And so once they begin to understand, oh, I don't always have to feel that way. How can you help me, mom or our dad? What, what can I do instead when I start to feel this way? Well, let's go out and run around the block. And I bet that'll help. Yeah. And it yeah. often, maybe right. very often does help. Yeah. So lots of things. You can find them online. You can talk to a therapist. You can ask mm -hmm. um, your pediatrician or uh, medical providers. What are things that we can do? But if kids don't respond to any of them, it's a good clue mm -hmm. that you really need to get help quickly because mm -hmm. generalized anxiety disorder is treatable, but you want to get it stubborn. as soon as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I so appreciate your time. We definitely got two episodes out of this. And I, I love, again, always, as always, how in-depth you can go, but how practical you keep it. And thank you. Thank you for talking to me again today. This is my joy. This is my joy. Love this it. is, other oh. than my, my family, this is what I love just <laughs> the most. Good. Any way that we can help parents be the best they can be so that their kids can be happy, adjusted, productive, and fun. Yeah. Very wonderful thing. That's Good for you for doing is. this. And thank you, Karen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.